Well, let me say good afternoon, everybody. I don't know about you guys, but I'm excited. Uh, this heat is gone for a minute. And I, I'm, I'm feeling a little chill in the air. See, I can get warm. It's hard for me to get cool. So I'm excited. I don't know about you, but I'm excited. If you would, um, if you have your digital copy, or your physical copy of God's word, you can meet me in 2 John. We'll be in 2 John. And while you're turning there, uh, just uh, I, I need to make two very important announcements. This upcoming week on the 17th is our upcoming Covenant Partner Night. For those of you who have become covenant partners with us, or that just means members, or if you all consider reconciliation home, you haven't become a covenant partner, but you, 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 you continue to come and worship with us on November the 17th from 7 to 8 p.m. on Zoom. You'll get that information. We're going to have a covenant partner night. Again, we want to continue to keep vision before you, talk about where we're going, and just bring you into all that's happening uh, with Reconciliation Church. So please mark your calendar, November the 17th. I believe that is, what, Wednesday? Wednesday from 7 to 8 p.m. on Zoom. And I hope um, I can see as many of you as I can on that evening. And then on, on, on that Friday, beginning of that Friday evening, um, men's conference, November the 19th, that evening, and November the 20th. There is a Unity Men's Conference, and the reason I mention this because I think uh, it is very, very important um, for us to, as, as we continue to try to engage, what does reconciliation look like? And so for the men, Dr. John Perkins, I mentioned him last week, uh, a man who has been in this, walking this walk for years, uh, down in Mississippi, experiencing racism firsthand, he is leading a conference uh, that we have been invited to. So it's no cost to you. That's also on Zoom. But I hope men, those of you who are here, uh, that you will create space in your calendar to join us November the 19th, the evening, and November the 20th. Not only will it be Dr. John Perkins speaking, but there will be other pastors speaking as well. One is Pastor James White, who is local here to, the, um, to, to Wake County. So I believe that our souls will be blessed, uh, that we get to hear from a man that's at the forefront of this fight and also in the winter years of his life. So please join us if you can. Now we can turn our attention to scripture and I'm going to read all of Second John in our hearing. The letter begins. The elder. To the elect lady and her children whom I love in the truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth that remains in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. I was very glad to find some of your children walking in truth in keeping with the command we have received from the Father. So now I ask you, dear lady, not as if I were writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. This is love, that we walk according to his commands. This is the command, as you have heard it from the beginning, that you walk in love. Many deceivers have gone out into the world. They do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. This is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves so that you don't lose what we have worked for, 
but that you may receive a full reward. Anyone who does not remain in Christ's teaching but goes beyond it does not have God. The one who remains in that teaching, this one has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your home and do not greet him. For the one who greets him shares in his evil works. Though I have many things to write to you, I don't want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your elect sister send you greetings. This is God's word. Along the California coastline, we have some of the largest living organisms on the planet, redwood trees. These trees, almost 300 feet high, some of them are 40 feet in circumference, and some have lived 250 years or more. This is a spectacle. I have not been there, but I, if you're like me, you have seen pictures. Some of you may have traveled there to witness these redwoods up close and personal. These trees are so massive because they grow in groves and their roots intertwine underneath the ground. No intertwining, no growth. No connectedness, no growth. Today we're continuing in a short series that I wanted to address called The Church and Its Mission. The Church and Its Mission. Last week, we, we highlighted the fact that the church is not simply a building. It's not a building. The church is a people. But not just any old people, but people who are connected with one another. This, I made this point because we must go to war with the individualistic way in which we do church. We come to church and we sit in our seats saying things like this. Maybe you've said it. I, I need a word from the Lord. Have you ever done that? It becomes about what I hear. Again, I get it because we all want to receive something from God's word, but we, 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 we live in that so much that we just think about what I can receive. We, we become consumers. It's, it's, it's about me. And, and also, many of us, we, when we talk about church, we even talk about, you know, the buzzword community, right? We, we want to be in relationship with others, and, and that's great. We, we must do that. But I wonder if we really want that deep connectedness that we say that we want. But what does it mean for us to be in relationship with one another? What does it mean for us to be connected? For those of us who are married, I wonder how many of us have people in our lives that can hold us accountable. That they can look at our marriage and, and they can come to us and begin to challenge us in certain areas of our lives. For those of you who are single, how many of you allow people into your lives who can look under the hood of your life and, and, and call you out and hold you accountable when you may be involved in behaviors that may go against this faith that you say that you have? I mean, how many of us have those types of relationships? My, my, my wife and I, we do have people in our lives, 
some deep friendships. And when we're around these friends, that these are Christian friends, those in the faith, that they could look at me and my wife and sit there, especially when it comes to me, like, Russell, that you're tripping. That's not what it means to, to, to love your wife. And it's vice versa. It's just not us receiving from them, but we can also go and speak into their lives. we got to be able to ask the hard questions. And the reason I mention this is because I think it's easy for us to run and hide. Many of us hide in plain sight. Yes, we're around people, but I don't know about you guys, but maybe you could share just enough information with people to keep them at bay. Don't ask me any more questions beyond this because that may be uncomfortable or we say that's none of your business. However, when we don't truly seek to connect with others in the body, when we are hurting, the body suffers. Scripture lets us know that we are connected in such a way that when one part of the body suffers, the entire body suffers. Hear what God's word says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 20 to 26. This is what Paul writes. He says, as it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, these part, those parts of the body that are weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body that we consider less honorable, we clothe, with, we, clothe, we clothe these with greater honor and our unrespectable parts are treated with greater respect, which our respectable parts do not need. Instead, God has put the body together, together giving greater honor to the less honorable so that there would be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Do you see that connectedness within the body? Last week, we again stated that the church is not a building. The church is a people, but praise God, he has given us buildings in which we can meet. The church is, is, is made up of, of people, not ordinary people, not better people, but they're not ordinary people. What do I mean? The church is made up of people in covenant with God through Jesus Christ. That's what distinguishes us. We're in covenant with God through Jesus Christ, the people of God in all ages. And what is our purpose as a church? What is our purpose? Is it to come on a weekly basis to audit a sermon or to audit a class? But what, what, what is, is our purpose? We answered this question with this statement on last week, and here it is again. It is God's mission to establish a people who carry out his mission, and the local church is both the object of God's mission and the agent of God's mission. We are the object of God's mission and the agent of his mission. We don't exist for ourselves. We have a purpose, and that purpose is global in his scope. What I want to remind us of today is that the church is both universal and local. It is both universal and local. Another way of saying this is that the church is visible and invisible. 
And I wanted to look at this letter that John wrote to a particular church in 2 John. And there are two things I just want to extract. And I just want to talk about as we look at this topic. Number one, the invisible church is the church as God sees it. The visible church is the church as man sees it. The invisible church is the church as God sees it. The visible church is the church as man sees it. And secondly, believers in the local church are to keep the teaching of Jesus and follow his example. We are to keep the teaching of Jesus and follow his example. So let's begin by looking at our first point. That the invisible church is the church as God sees it. The visible church is the church as man sees it. I'm just going to look at verse one. He writes the elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth. The writer, whom we believe is the apostle John, refers to himself as the elder. The elder. And he's writing to the elect lady and her children. Elect lady is a designation for a church rather than a person. Her children speaks of members of the church he is writing to. I mention this because the elder John is writing to a particular people at a particular time in a particular place. This church existed during this time in this place and it had people who were part of the church. Here we have the church visible. This church was known by the elder, by John. This was not some abstract concept of a people, but John knew this people. He knew that some of the members were living as they ought to. In verse 4, you'll see that. He, he, he saw them. These were people who were committed to their local church and joined with other believers to worship together. So what we're doing this afternoon is not new. Again, I mentioned God has always had a people who would worship him, who would gather with one another. And it's not just a New Testament concept. We also see this in the Old Testament. The language of the church visible and invisible comes from tradition, not the Bible. It comes from tradition. The Westminster Confession of Faith speaks of the universal as well as the local church. And if you read this, this document, I feel like it's beautifully written. And in the Westminster Confession 15, 1 and 2, it says these words. It says, the Catholic or universal church, which is invisible, consists of the whole number of the elect. Elect simply means chosen. I'm not going to extract that and deal with that right now, but these are people chosen before the foundation of the world. They did nothing to earn God's favor, the elect, that have been, are, or shall be gathered into one under Christ the head thereof. And it's the spouse, the body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. The visible church, which is also Catholic or universal under the gospel, not confined to one nation as before under the law, consists of all those throughout the world that profess the true religion and of their children and is the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ, the house and family of God, 
out of which there is ordinary, there is no ordinary possibility of salvation. Now, this does not mean that there are two churches. It, visible and invisible are two ways of looking at the same church. There is one church. There is one faith. There is one baptism. There are not two different churches. Wayne Grudem says the invisible church is the church as God sees it. On the other hand, the visible church is the church as man sees it, though God sees both the visible and the invisible church. Like the church that the elder wrote to here in 2 John, the visible church consists of all who credibly profess faith in Jesus Christ. He writes to the elect lady and her children. How does church membership happen? How does it happen? Again, I feel like we just we, we have a culture and a context right now that could take it or leave it. Like we will we'll go to spaces of worship, but I don't want to really commit. But how does it happen? For our purposes, when a person applies for local church membership or for reconciliation, becoming a covenant partner. Usually some elders will examine the person to see whether he or she understands the gospel and trusts in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. Again, don't think of examination like you're in college or you have to take a test, but leaders of the church want to come and meet with the person to see if they are really in the faith, that they are trusting in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. Now, if a person is living in some sin, right, flagrantly opposed to the gospel, the leaders should decline to admit a person into church membership or in our case, becoming a covenant partner. Now hear this, elders are not perfect men. They're not perfect always, but to the best of their ability, they should determine not if a person is sinlessly perfect, but whether a person has made a sincere commitment to Christ. Now, because the visible church can't see a person's heart, what the, the, the visible church will be made up of unbelievers. My friends, understand this, that churches that gather, every person that comes and gathers in a church is not a believer. It's not a believer. And again, being a Southern boy, I, see, I saw this a lot growing up because in the South, there is just this. I grew up in a home where you were just opposed to go to church on Sunday. That may not have been you. That was certainly for me. And a lot of my friends as well. So the church will include some unbelievers. Hear what Paul said in Romans chapter 2 verses 28 and 29. He says, for a person is not a Jew who is one outwardly. And true circumcision is not something visible in the flesh. On the contrary, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly and circumcision is of the heart. By the spirit, not the letter, that a person's praise is not from people, but from God. Who I am just outwardly does not make me a part of the family of God. And I can go meet, I can go and worship at a particular church, but if I went to an all African-American church, because I'm an African-American, does not make me a believer and a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, simply because I'm African-American outwardly. It's true for all of us. Nothing outward about us makes us acceptable to God. 
So those to whom John the elder wrote were to those who were chosen by God to be his. I could stop right there. The fact that he would choose me as his own to be his son, not an orphan. It's enough for me to stop and just praise him outwardly and to give him all of the hallelujahs in the world. God has chosen people to be his from the foundation of the world. But in a moment, we're going to see from this letter that there were also people in the church who were covenant breakers. They were in the church, but not a part of the true body of Christ. John 15 calls them dead branches. However, when the people of God come together locally and universally, there is fellowship. When we come together and connect, there is fellowship. The biblical word used is koinonia, and this is biblical fellowship. And biblical fellowship does not concern itself with meeting over cookies and juice. I may have just touched somebody with their sweet tooth just now, but. It doesn't concern itself with that. And it's also not about a gathering where you can give people high fives. Now, I love to give high fives and I love to eat. And most of you know that by now. I love to eat, but authentic biblical fellowship means the mutual sharing of the life of Christ between his family members. I love this because God's family consists of people who don't look like me. We're not all the same gender. We're not all the same age. We're not all in the same seasons of life. But when we come together, there is a mutual sharing of his people. Do you long for this among God's people? Do you long for this? One of the things that I have enjoyed, my wife and I, is when we've had the opportunity to travel globally. Again, we're in a local context, but then we go to another country to their local situation, and we're around other believers. And something strange typically happens when, it, when, when we go because we don't know these people. We've never seen them a day in our life, but there's always an immediate connection. There was an immediate connection. I can't speak the language, but they don't treat us as strangers. They invite us in sit at their best place, put their best before us to eat. Even according to our standards, we would like, man, that's meager. But for them, it's the best they've had. And they want to give us the best that they have. And they, they bring us in so that we could fellowship with them. And it's beautiful. See, when we come together corporately, we come together as not like a family, but we are a family. See, I think sometimes we use the language, we got to act like a family. No, 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 no. We don't act like a family. We are a family. And all that that entails, there is fellowship when we come together. And we are connected to one another by blood. Not your human blood, but the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what connects us. The church invisible is seen by God. The church visible is seen by man. Finally, Believers in the local church ought to keep the teaching of Jesus and follow his example. Verses 8 through 11 says this. The writer says, watch yourself so that you don't lose what we have worked for, but that you may receive a full reward. 
Anyone who does not remain in Christ's teaching but goes beyond it does not have God. The one who remains in that teaching, this one has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your home and do not greet him for the one who greets him shares in his evil works. John, the elder in verse four, expressed joy. Joy over what? He expressed joy because he found out that some of the elect, elect ladies' children, members, were walking in truth. Again, this is the elder now seeing people in that local context, in that church, and seeing their life played out, and it just brought joy in his heart because he, they are walking according to truth as they received it from the beginning. He then commanded them to love one another. And I'm thankful that he points this out and he's given us the biblical idea of love because in a lot of ways, I think that we, 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 we water down the concept of love in our day. But the same way that they were commanded to love one another, we are commanded to love one another. It's the same for us. And this is ongoing love. It doesn't stop. Again, our culture, especially with marriage, you will hear someone that gets a divorce say, I fell out of love with them. But that is not true for the believer. Now, you may do something I don't like, but we got to work through it because now we call it in fellowship. We call it in relationship with one another. The love we have for one another does not end. It is ongoing. John wrote this letter encouraging believers to continue to walk in truth because they had a problem. What was the problem? There were people in the church who were deceiving other believers in the church. They were, they were wolves in sheep, sheep's clothing. He refers to them in verse 7 as deceivers. These deceivers were cessationists. And if you want to read more fully about that, just go to the book of 1 John and see how he writes about them. But this is what he says about these cessationists in 1 John chapter 2, verses 18 and 19. He said to the readers, children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. By this we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not belong to us cessation. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. However, they went out so that it might be made, it might be made clear that none of them belongs to us. Who are these cessationists? These people were those who denied that Jesus had come in the flesh. Verse 7. They denied that Jesus came in the flesh. They denied that he was the son of God, the Christ, and that his death atoned for sin. They denied the Lord Jesus Christ. And see, this is a danger that you and I must be aware of as well. That's just not for them. It's also in our day. Do you have you ever engaged or saw where people want to deny that Jesus is fully God and fully man, that he is born of the virgin, that he died? This God man died to pay the price for your sins. This is not new. This is something that you and I, we have to deal with as well. That. that that belief could be in the person sitting right next to you right now. Again, the context in, in 2 John, these were people infiltrating the church, cherry picking, 
people within the body spreading their false beliefs. And John is writing to these true believers to tell them to watch out for that. It reminds me of, 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 of the concept we see in John 10. Jesus is the good shepherd. And I'm just thinking about uh, you have a flock of sheep and sheep are totally weak. They need someone to care for them. But if a, a, a ravaging animal wants to, wants to get one of the sheep, what he wants to do is separate one of them from the rest of the flock. And then if he separates the sheep, he could pounce on that lone sheep because they're not protected. John is writing his letter to protect because these cessationists were, were, were planting divisive views. See, again, this just shows us the visible, because the visible church cannot see the hearts of people, like, I don't know what's in your heart. You don't know what's in mine, right? And because of that, because the church is a place where we want unbelievers and believers to come and be a part of because we trust that the Spirit of God can save, but if someone comes in with some malicious ideas and thoughts, coming in planting seeds, that will sprout and produce unbelief in people. We got to be careful about that. So how do we stand against false teaching that may arise among us? Verse nine says this. Anyone who does not remain in Christ's teaching but goes beyond it does not have God. The one who remains in that teaching, this one has both the father and the son. We, we stand against this by holding fast to the truth that we received about Jesus Christ. We hold fast to this truth. Knowing and adhering to truth is a bulwark or a defensive wall against false teaching. Again, I believe that we could be captive to something that John is writing to this, to this church about. Because many people may have been looking for something new. They would love new information, like Again, we're all captive to that. Man, we get on our social, we get on social media, we find and read other books. We're always looking for something new, new ideas. Okay, I'm always looking for something new and some new ideas because it sounds good. It sounds good. We're looking for the next innovative thing. Even within the church, man, people got podcasts, they got new initiatives, and they're like, if you just do this, man, that's gonna take your ministry to. And we're always looking for that thing that's new. But when it comes to believers, I think we need to fall back and hold on to that age old truth of the gospel. Jesus Christ and him crucified. I may not have all the frills and I may not have all the bells and whistles, but I got Jesus. I'm good. And I'm going to hold on to that truth because I know new information is coming. Shoot, all, many of us are going to go on the computer and click and find, oh, did you know this? Did you know this? Did you know this? Oh, man, that's, I, that makes me want to go get that book. Oh, man, I want to listen to this speaker. John is warning the people here. He says, uh, anyone who does not remain in Christ's teaching but goes beyond it does not have God. I like progression. I like progression. But we must not be so progressive that we walk out on God. We don't need to be that progressive. If we don't watch ourselves, as he says, watch and pay attention 
to what we are being taught and go beyond what is being taught. This true gospel, John says, that we do not have God. 1 Peter 2.2 tells us to long for the pure milk of the word. Pure means undiluted. Undiluted. A lot of us want the word, but we mix it with other information. I didn't go, I still haven't gone to the fair here and forgive me, don't, don't, don't malign me because I haven't done the North Carolina fair yet. I haven't done the fair here, but I do know virtually when fairs come, they all would have this one staple, candy apples. I don't care which fair you go to, I promise you. Aren't there candy apples at the North Carolina State Fair? That's what I thought. So these are apples dipped in sugar. Now, apples inherently are nutritional, right? But you ruin it when you do what? When you dip it in sugar. You've just killed the benefit of the apple, but it tastes good. It tastes good. It's sweet, but its nutritional value is diluted because something with no value has been added to it. Many of us will read the word, hear the word, and then talk to people about the word, then dip it in the human viewpoint. Going beyond what God's word says. My friends, Jesus, his eyes are on his church. His eyes are on reconciliation church. How do I know? If you read Revelation chapter 2 and you see we have God uh, and the word going to the seven churches of Asia, Jesus often say, my eyes are on you. I walk through I see your works. I see your works. One church, it says you left your first love. My friends, let's hold fast to the truth that we have as a local body. Because we have a mission. What is the mission? Just look out and see this world. Even if you never travel to another country, the world starts where your toes end. As a matter of fact, you don't even have to go to another country because God is bringing the world to your doorstep. He's bringing them to your doorstep. We are a part of the visible and the invisible church. God's people for all time with the same mission. We have a mission and in order to accomplish that mission, we must hold fast to the truth that we have in his word. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth of your word. I bless you. And uh, Lord God, I pray that that we would hold fast to true teaching. That we would not go beyond what your word declares. Lord God, I pray that we would also see ourselves as a connected people. And in order for us to grow. I pray that we understand that we need one another. We need one another. So, Father, by your spirit, do work in us here at Reconciliation Church. 
Use us, Lord God, to be salt and light in our city, in our neighborhood, in our state. That Jesus, you will be made much of. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.